Hello anyone and everyone. It's that time of year again where Gabe and I take a deep dive into our favorite games of the previous year. 2017 was so chock full of great games it would be impossible to try to get through all of them. So instead of that, we decided to each focus on one particular game we enjoyed and what made it our favorite release. We also venture off into a bunch of other semi-related topics for good measure. Alright, with that obligatory messaging out of the way, we hope you enjoy the episode. So yeah, I don't know. It, it was an interesting year for sure. Uh, but like I say, I, I like that uh, a, a game that you could you could play for free, like Doki Doki Literature Club, was kind of talked about in the same way that a lot of big dev uh, releases were. Yeah. Of course, we didn't even talk about like Resident Evil Seven coming out early in the year. I think that was also like February. I forget how early it was. That real was. early, yeah. But I, I don't know. I'm, I haven't played a Resident Evil. I really only played Resident Evil Four. Period. <laughs> that's the only one yeah that's funny i don't know i haven't played any since three i think oh well no code veronica i played on the dreamcast so a little okay. bit so that's the most recent so, yeah one the I've older played. One, basically. <laughs> yeah the 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 tank control ones oh god tank controls <laughs> not that not that resi 4 was incredibly better it was it was good but it wasn't like yeah it was awkward it's funny, I was playing a little bit of Silent Hill 2, and you can choose between tank controls or analog controls, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting, because it still uses uh, fixed camera angles, mm-hmm. Yeah. and doing non-tank controls for fixed camera angles is actually kind of a pain in the butt, because yeah. like, you have to reset the, the analog stick all the time, which is really annoying. Yeah, tank controls kind of make sense when it's fixed, but yeah, I don't know. Because like playing Grim Fandango Remastered, they remove the tank controls, and it it makes it much easier to reason about from the get-go. I didn't know that game used non... I thought it was a point-and-click. Uh, it is. I don't remember. I never played the original. I've only played the remastered. But my understanding okay. is that, like, there were tank controls to move around. I don't. I know that there are point-and-click elements to it, but I don't remember if the original had them. Or, or I don't know if the original had them, because I never played it. I would assume so, but I don't know. Yeah, I've never played it either, so I, I think I own it, maybe. I think it was one of those games that was given away for free on oh, yeah. God <laughs> at some point. <laughs> a lot of games, yeah. So I may have it. Uh, point and clicks are cool, but I don't know. I just don't ever get in the mood to play one. It It's hard. Like it's For me, it's like a pacing thing, right? Where sometimes I'm really into it, the story's driving me along, and I'm like very curious to see what's going on, but then half the time you're stuck on a puzzle. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of the last point and click I actually played, and I I don't even know. Yeah, I'll, I don't know. I've only really done like Grim Fandango, Broken Age. I don't know. Oh, Broken Age, yeah. Broken Age is okay, even though I never finished it. Yeah, that was the other thing with 2017 was all the games that you you know you could play plus slash like trying to finish all the games that you could play. Mm-hmm. I'm actually surprised I got through as many as I did. Like Zelda, I I played to the end. I didn't uh, do all the stuff because that's impossible. <laughs> well, but I got to the end. All the shrines is possible. All the Koroxes, I feel like, is just torture. Yeah. Low grade. Torture. Even all the shrines, it's like, why bother? But 
I mean, I, that, it, that's a game where, like, the goal is to get to the end, so I got to the end and I did it. You know what I mean? To me. Yeah. Um, that's, how I li- that's how I view games in general. Like, that's why sandbox games don't really appeal to me very much. It's like I need a finish line. So you played Breath of the Wild <laughs> for, like, an hour, began and called it a day. <laughs> no, unfortunately, I wasn't uh, good enough to exploit all the physics and stuff. I went through and did all the, you know, main objectives. I got all the, uh, whatever divine beasts and all that mm. stuff uh but i did like basically just enough to get to ganon <laughs> yeah yeah same here. and then like with near with near it was like the same thing i was like i got through two endings and then i was like all right i'm good like, oh what no you gotta get the real endings well real and that in a game like that that's a loaded term <laughs> uh, well like but, there uh, is like a more final ending after the first two no i know i know and it's a it's a good um I mean there's a lot to it and it, it it's probably worth going back and doing. Mm. But you just kinda get burned out, man. Like that that game is really big for no real reason. Yeah, I definitely agree. There's a lot of a lot of backtracking and side quests that could have been streamlined. Yeah, I mean you know, I don't know. Like with with, with Zelda at least there was more to occupy your time mm-hmm. as you trudge along like that world was also too big in my opinion but at least there was more stuff to do and at least for me even just moving around the world in zelda is pretty entertaining like the world is too big and well for my for my taste the world is too big um but there are usually things to kind of see and explore um and even just sitting there like listening to the breeze or sitting by a stream it's it's this pleasant world to be in yeah, I mean that that's its main draw. I think is like you just want to go find stuff, and being able to just kind of crawl all over the world is a big part of that, right? Yeah. Uh, Near is so rigid in what you can interact with that, and there's not that much to interact with in general. It's kind of just like, all right, let's run through this huge desert to get to the story point, and then run back. Um, so I don't know. I was not a I wasn't a big fan of its world. So, I mean, it looked great. Uh, the setting itself, the idea of it's really cool, but it was just a huge, like, basically just running around to to the story points. Mm-hmm. And it's and that's, you know, whatever, that's fine. But thankfully, it doesn't take that long for the most part. But, you know, a lot of it was kind of uninteresting. So it, it kind of made me not want to replay you know, a third time to get through it, where I'm just like, I'm going to be looking at the same desert for hours. Well, the the third playthrough is actually completely different from the first two, which is nice. Like, it, so that's that's the part that I was both surprised and really delighted about, because I, I was also burning out on, like, playing through the same story, even though it was interesting seeing it from uh, 9S's point of view. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's always tricky to pull that off, because... Uh, you you're going through the same story beats, and the same dialogue is spoken basically. Yeah. The so it's it's hard to really call it a truly different perspective. Basically, the cutscenes are the only part that like seemed really different to me. Um, I mean, you did play different parts of the game. Like the very beginning, you're you're not on the ground, right? You're running around, flying, doing a bunch of other stuff, and like 
That that was kind of cool. I do feel like you get the more complete view of what's actually going on that second playthrough. Um, which is, I mean, I I don't like that you're replaying sixty percent to get that extra forty percent, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of necessary just because he's the partner mm-hmm. for most of the experience anyway. So I, you know, there's I don't think there's any way around that unless you have that second campaign be very very short. Mm-hmm. And it was shorter. Yeah, that's true. It was. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, mechanically, it was fun. Um, it, the story is interesting. Um, and I liked the characters in it a lot. It's just playing it over and over again was kind of like, all right, yeah. let's let's just get through it here. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I, it, it, it wore out as welcome with me a little bit. I think, I, mean, I think that's generally what happened to me in 2017. Like, I had just open world game fatigue very early on because <laughs> I, I played a bunch of Zelda and then I played Nier and then all right I'd also played a lot of Horizon even though I never beat it and then mm-hmm. uh Mario Odyssey near the end of the year and just like oh yeah we didn't talk about oh that. my gosh yeah. yeah like by the by the end of the year I'm just like can I can I not play an open world game <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of rejected open world games after a little while. Went back to um, more refine or more um, controlled games towards the end of the year. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. Well, I also stopped playing games that were released in 2017 in the second half. Yeah, same. I think the only game, the only games I played in the second half of the year, really, um, were uh, uh, Samus Returns. Mm-hmm and finishing persona 5 just because that game is so long (laughs) i think for me it was uh samus returns pyre and mario Mm. yeah mario that i played in the second half of the year gotcha yeah i don't know anything about pyre really it's it's i mean super giant games it has a lot of the same things that make the other their previous games amazing um but i always have trouble getting into it like every time i play it i really enjoy it but the first like twenty minutes, I'm like, oh yeah, this this is the thing, right? It's pretty different. But then I like kind of get it takes time to get into. Whereas the other ones, I always pick up and I just like fucking fly through them, just like replay half the game in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's a problem with having. The problem with having so many good games or games at least you want to try, in one year, plus having like a crazy backlog of games that you feel guilty about not having played yet um so i think like for me like focusing the second half of the year on finishing some games that i had either started or i had wanted to start that i had owned from before Mm -hmm. was kind of a big thing for me too and actually for that i succeeded quite a bit i finished two from software games that i hadn't finished before so that was nice. nice um and uh yeah, I don't know. Just kind of refocused on some some older titles a little bit, or at least spent more time. Uh, did went back and did a lot of Dark Souls two stuff I hadn't done before, uh, so yeah. that was kind of fun too. That's cool. I I was playing honestly, I was playing a lot of League, <laughs> um, and a couple other like you know more old games that had already come out that were just like online multiplayer. But in the in like my spare time, because I wasn't. I wasn't devoting my main gaming time to small games, but like, you know, I've played some Cuphead, played some Duskers, mm-hmm. which is this roguelike that I'm really enjoying. 
um, indie game. Um, shoot, what else? Started playing Tooth and Tail. Like, there's all these small games that I really wanted to go through, but just, you know, most of my gaming time was devoted to doing more, like, you know, multiplayer social gaming than, gotcha. than single-player experiences. So that's that's what I think I'm going to be prioritizing at the start of this year. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's the interesting thing about games, um, online games, uh, competitive games especially. It's like, those games don't really end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's no... Sure, maybe it's released this year, but, you know, if things go well, it's not going to end this year. Yeah. You're not going to finish a game like that. Um, and that seems to be where games are trying to go, at least from a lot of studios like EA and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what they want to continue I mean, have, revenue. Having, yeah, having continued revenue, like, you know, the game game that as a live service is... It's kind of the cash cow that everyone wants. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're copying the software as a service model that's been, you know, kind of dictating Silicon Valley's, uh, I don't know, their path for a number of years now. And it's interesting to see them shift. It took them a long time because, I mean, obviously, traditionally, games are something that you pick up and you play until it's done and then you're over with it, right? They're finite experiences by design. Right. Uh, you know, you could argue that arcade games weren't really like that due to the scoring system, but those also aren't. Those were traditionally, you know, single player games as well. So you pick them up when you want to play them, and then you stop playing them when you're kind of tired of them. Mm-hmm. Um, shifting towards like Destiny Two and all that kind of stuff, where it's like this is what okay. you're going to be doing <laughs> for years now. I I don't know. For me, it doesn't really work because. I don't want to play one game for ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a lot to invest in a single game where it's like, I, I don't understand how somebody gives like, cause for, well, at least for me, like I'd have to give up playing other games to devote my time to playing something like, I, I don't know any, any online multiplayer game really. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't seem very fun to me. Yeah. You miss out on a I lot. I mean, I'm, I'm mostly with you there. I, the online games I do play, it's because I have friends that play and, or like that. It's something that I really enjoy for a while. Um, but it's it's very rarely something that I pour hours into. I mean, you know, PUBG came out this year, and I've watched a lot of it, but just because I've hung out with people who have played a lot of it and mm-hmm. were just actively playing while I was sitting there on my computer, you know, doing something else while they played. And, like, yeah, sure, it looks fun, but it looks incredibly repetitive, and that, that just doesn't do it for me. Like, I, I want... I really like narrative. I really like experiencing new content. Um... Yeah, and and so, like, while I can play something like League or Overwatch or, shoot, I'm trying to think of another example. Uh, there, I used to do a lot of MMOs, but I just I just struggle with it nowadays because I really want want those like tight experiences, like whatever Portal mm-hmm. or Bastion or Inside, like the, these contained experiences that just like wow, that that makes me sit back and think, or makes me wanna makes me wanna, you know, pick it up and play it again because it's it's so interesting. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I actually just played through Journey for the first time. Oh after wow! All this, yeah, after all this time, Journey, game of the year, twenty seventeen. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, part of it was like I haven't, you know, I've had it, I've owned it for quite a while now, and just never played it. And it's just because like, oh, I'll get around to it one day. And then it's like, <laughs> it's only a couple hours, really. Like you can play through yeah. it very, very quickly. Two, three so hours. It, you know, yeah. Uh, I had some time to myself this like last weekend, and so I was just like. All right, I'm just gonna play through it because I have nothing to do. 
and uh, definitely fun. Like, and people were still online playing it, which was amazing to me. I didn't expect that, but there were a couple people mm-hmm. I, I ran into um, while playing, which it definitely enhances that experience. It would be, it would be a little less of a game without it, and it's going to be sad when that's not available anymore. I mean, I, I I hope it keeps going. I mean, they they released the remastered version for the PS4. Were you playing that one or PS3? PS3. Version? So yeah, PS oh, PS4 wow. might be well, probably is more populated with players, but people are still yeah. playing the PS3 version. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Unless they have cross compatibility, which is also possible, I guess. Oh, that would be really weird and super cool, but I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't bet that that's the case, but it is technically possible. <laughs> I mean, I don't see why not. Like. I guess I guess it's still like all PSN. Yeah, I don't know. I, I might read up on it. I'm curious about that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I didn't expect any players to be on there at all because of how old the game is, and I was I was playing late yeah. at night in you know it's it's Pacific time here, so that's pretty late for most of the world or a lot of the yeah. world anyway. So I didn't expect anybody to be playing, but sure enough, there were a couple of people. So it was very very cool. I I really liked it. Um, so I'm glad that that's something I got off the list there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been meaning to replay it myself because I, I think, I want to say they gave it to PlayStation Plus people, whatever, people who pay. Yeah. <laughs> they gave it to them for free. So I think I have it somewhere. I didn't even know that it was released for PS4 until very recently. And then I was like, oh, that makes sense. But yeah, I didn't expect that because, I don't know, it's been out for a long time. And I just figured, I don't know, it seems like... It would be, I don't know, converting PS3 to games to PS4 seems like a lot of work compared to bringing other games up to PS4. I mean, just because of like the architecture of the PS3? Yeah, think? I mean, obviously if you have the source code, you can just try to work it into yeah. whatever, but I don't know, it's still, like it was optimized for PS3, I assume, so I imagine like fixing yeah. the optimization stuff would be kind of a pain. I, I assume so too, but I guess... I guess the PS4 gives you so much more horsepower that like you can kind of slack on <laughs> some optimizations. I don't know. Well, I imagine the documentation is also significantly better I because so, it's yeah. more standard components, so there's less to mm-hmm. learn from Sony themselves, probably. Yeah. Well, and yeah, it's like standard, standard CPU, standard GPU. Like it's it's very straightforward, is my understanding, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, it's cool that it's available for more platforms. Obviously, that's something that I yeah. always argue uh, in favor of. But uh, I don't know; just didn't expect it. Cool. So, do you want to get talking about our? I don't know. I don't know if you made a list, but I have a small list unordered of games I really enjoyed this year that actually came out this year. So, yeah, I don't really have a list S- since we talked about all the games that came out this year that we that I've played. Basically, yeah. Now there were podcasts. I think. Um, I'm just going to talk about one game in particular. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll do the same because really it's it's one game I haven't even mentioned so far uh, today, and I, I don't I don't think we've talked about it. But I get the feeling we're going to be talking about games neither but not both of us have played. Yeah, which will be kind of interesting. But yeah. <laughs> All right, go for it. Yeah, so you know I I kind of had to go back and forth on two games here. Um, I was thinking for a long time it would be Nier, mm-hmm. because like Nier really blew me away with a lot of the things early on, um, and it, it is it's like it's a really good game. I mean it's it's uh, there there is like the open world fatigue, but like beside that, for example, like I'm trying to think, 
moments that blew me away, like going to the amusement park for the first time, I was just like, oh, holy shit, there's robots and they're not, they're not like attacking me and they're just hanging out and this is really odd and strange. Um, and the boss fight there um, against the opera singer, like that's like with the music and I, I could go on and on. I mean, we, we have an entire podcast about Nier <laughs> <laughs> Automata. So if you haven't heard it, go listen to yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, the, the game that my mind keeps going back to is Hollow Knight. And I don't think you got around to playing or at least beating all of it. No, um, I definitely didn't beat all of it. I did play a little bit of it, probably through the first boss and a little bit after that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I played it shortly after it came out. And everyone, I I played it, I think, at Day of the Devs last year, very briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wasn't super impressed, to be honest. I was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, I remember we checked out the booth there, and it looked pretty cool. But I don't remember how much of the game was playable at that point. It, so I remember the part that I played, I played for like five minutes, was just very near the beginning before the first boss. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just kind of running around. The devs weren't even there. It was just someone else, like, manning the booth. So, right. Like, I didn't really have anyone to explain to me what I was doing. So I, I, you know, picked it up, played a few minutes, and kind of just wandered off. Um, but then uh, something happened early in the year, like, right before it came out or just after it came out, where suddenly a lot of people who I admire, like design game designers and game developers, are just like, yeah, holy shit, Hollow Knight, best Metroidvania I've played in ages and i'm like whoa that's that's super high praise mm-hmm. and you know pe- people saying like oh you know i was playing horizon zero dawn and you know i, I kind of shelved it for a bit and started playing hollow knight and i just completely finished hollow knight and you know c- couldn't pick up horizon even though i wanted to beat it like, <laughs> so so i just kept hearing this over and over and i thought to myself okay well i love metrovanias i have to pick this game up and yeah holy shit did it deliver it's it was like the cheapest, one of the cheapest games I bought this year. It's an indie game made by three people full time, and like I think they had a composer and like audio guy as a fourth person. But like just three people made this enormous game that can easily take you 30, 40 hours to beat. Um, and like this rich world full of lore and like lots of tiny little secrets everywhere. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a Metroidvania through and through. And like the music is beautiful, the art is beautiful. The gameplay is really tight and fun. Shit, like I can sing its praises forever. <laughs> and the fact that it's only like, I think it was $15 or something, and then they keep releasing new DLC. They're, they still have like the biggest DLC yet to come that they haven't released yet. So that's that's actually one of the things that really struck me about it was it was released. I ended up getting it um, through IndieBox. So uh, yeah. I didn't buy it uh, through Steam like intentionally but getting it through IndieBox is actually really awesome <laughs> because uh, you know you get all the extra stuff with it too but um, you know I, I, it was a game that I was interested in so it was nice to have that kind of just be a surprise like oh hey this is the game you're getting um, dip my toes into it and, and the thing that I enjoyed the most about it definitely was uh, its control it definitely feels like one of the most responsive side-scrolling yeah. games i've played in quite some time like i never felt like mm-hmm. i was doing things accidentally or that the game was being kind of you know interpreting my intent incorrectly which is something that can yeah. happen so so easily in games where you know jumping and and um kind of like pogoing on enemies and stuff is part and parcel <laughs> of how you interact with the game um mm-hmm. So that was really impressive to me. The one thing about it that I found a little more challenging was because of its its 
design, its art design, it, mm-hmm. it, it was a little difficult for me to figure out where I was going because things look a little too similar. They do a yeah. pretty good job of, of sectioning out areas. Like there's like that mining area that you go mm-hmm. to kind of early on uh, and stuff like that. But, you know, it's all like dark purples and blacks and grays and stuff. And so it lacked that like distinctive, oh, like, hey, like I'm in, you know, Brinstar or something where it's like everything is a certain color and and the enemies change a little bit. It, like I said, I didn't get that far into it, so it could it could be I was different. Gonna say, I think you I think you need to get a little further because there's definitely like very big environmental changes uh, that like just the colors of the different spaces feel very different. Okay, that's good. And the the enemy the enemy types are completely different between areas. Yeah, that's good to know because like I say, that first area is pretty big though, and it, it leaves you a little directionless. I think. Um, yeah, that's that's the I think the hardest part, like getting hooked that early on. Like you don't really know what you're doing. Yeah, I, I had very, I had a hard time figuring out where I was supposed to go and, and finding new pathways. Like I found some elevators and stuff, but I couldn't activate mm-hmm. them and this kind of you know. And so then it's like, all right, where do I go now? It, it would have been for me getting into it. It would have been nice if it was a little more controlled early on, before mm-hmm. then opening up a little later. I think they kind of jumped the gun a little bit on just like here you go here's the whole world go for it that's a little too intimidating for me um so it would take some significant effort to to go back i think and and really dig through it Hmm. i think for me i mean i i just i found myself like just hooked that when i did it when i played at day of the devs like the distinction i remember thinking was at day of the devs i uh picked up from where wherever the game was i didn't start the demo over. right um and so I was just in the middle of the Forgotten Crossroads, which is the area you're discussing. And, like, I had no idea where to go. No idea what I was doing. No no idea. Just, okay, this is a game. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when you start the game fresh, you actually have that small tutorial area. And I think that made all the difference for me. Just knowing what I could do, knowing more or less how to move, um, and, like, ha- having this, this semblance of, like, where I was. Um, and understanding, oh, there is a map, but you have to fill it in, and all this stuff like that, that made it really interesting. And I think understanding the map mechanic is what really got me going. Mm-hmm. The fact that, you know, the the knight will, like, start filling in areas. When, when you rest at a bench, it, it'll start filling in areas whenever whenever you've been to them and you go rest. And I, I, I absolutely love that. So, you know, I'd get to a new area, wander around, hopefully find the map maker, and then, like, really just start exploring everything so i so i had a feel for it right and now i have like the entire world memorized which is very like metroidvania right like you you know every little nook and cranny of that world and that's just something i completely love so by the time i i like had the map mechanic down i I finished the first area and then i was just like okay i need to explore every nook and cranny and for me that that's like an itch i have i know a lot of people don't don't like feeling lost for me i'm like oh i need to know what's around the next corner yeah, there's a fine balance I think you have to strike between encouraging exploration and not and, and, and guiding a player so that they don't feel like they have no idea where they're going. And mm-hmm. for Metroidvanias, it's interesting because you know you have essentially four directions you can travel in. And so mm-hmm. you would think it would be less difficult to get lost just because it's like, well... If I can't go up or right, I can go down or left, and we'll try one of those until I can't go any further, right? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But for some reason, 
at least in that in that opening part of the game for me it was like okay this room looks very similar to the last room i was in so i don't remember mm-hmm. where i was uh which is something that actually the original metroid had a problem with right you had these long chasm channels yeah. and it's like all right i don't know where i am exactly in relation to everything else there just weren't enough landmarks for me to to get a, a good grasp of where i was at any given time mm-hmm. and so for me that that's something i struggle with i have a very hard time with ma- mapping things out mentally it takes me yeah. a lot of repetition to to figure out where i'm going and remember where i've been before even in 3d games that have like strong design i can get lost very very easily so uh yeah hollow knight was a little hard for me in the beginning that makes sense and i think honestly the forgotten crossroads like it's it's not that interesting of a place Mm -hmm. like i kind of get i kind of get what they're going for i think where they are trying to keep the game very humble very like you've entered into this more or less dead civilization um, and that and that's a big part of what drives me in the game, is, or drives me to love this game. Like the lore and the the atmosphere is just spot on. But like you kind of stumble into that and just don't really know what you're doing. And I I know some people like that. For me, like I said, like it was it was an, originally a turn off. And then once I understood the map mechanic, then I started mapping everything out, and that's what really drove me forward. But it's still tricky. Like there's still a bunch of dead ends when you first start yeah. out. Um, and something a little, like you're saying, something a little more streamlined might have been better to just, because once you, once you get to the, beat the first boss, get to the second area, beat the second boss, then really the game feels like it's opening up and like that, that's when you get more, some more movement abilities and it, it makes a really big difference. Yeah. I mean, I will say, I think the boss design, even that first one is really, really good. Um, oh yeah. The bosses are, I, I've seen a few of them, a couple of late game ones too, and, and they, I think they are probably the standout feature of this game, at least to me. You know, fighting the normal enemies and stuff is fine. I think that's well implemented for the most part. But yeah. the boss fights are really interesting, and they do quite a bit considering, you know, it's basically a 2D action game, and that's, you know, it, it kind of becomes uh, like Mega Man-ish almost. Yeah, it plays a lot like Mega Man. Yeah, uh, which I like a lot. I mean, you know, there's a reason that the Mega Man games were so popular, and the fun part of those games was encountering the bosses and figuring out how to beat them. And so I like that it does that part of the game very, very well. I think the more and more I play games, the more I, I relish interesting boss encounters. Um, yeah. So, you know, that would be the feature for me that would get me back into the game for sure. Oh yeah. You should, you should keep, you, you should keep going. Cause the second area is much more interesting and the second boss is really fun. One of my favorites yeah, the, the bosses are phenomenal, and, and how it all ties into the lore. Like it, it's it plays very much like Dark Souls, where the lore is in the world in item descriptions. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you kind of have to infer a lot of things. There's there's still a lot of ambiguity around it. Um, I've watched a good number of videos, and they're they're fun, they're interesting, but it's it's part of the same drive I had when playing Dark Souls. And oh man, the 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 final the final set of boss fights. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you're 100%ing the game, it's just so good. Like the presentation's amazing, the music, there's like the anticipation and the drama that builds up in those fights. It's it's spectacular. I absolutely love the final final boss fight. Just like how it's not over the top. It's just it's a spectacle. It's it's really cool to to participate in and like the cut, how they weave uh, you know cutscenes in with the gameplay is just amazing. I think like mechanically, 
I didn't get far enough to really uh, expand on like the the abilities that I had from the start, mm-hmm. but I did like the replenishing health mechanic. I think that's kind of a cool idea where you have oh, yeah. a certain number of hit points yourself. basically, but you can acquire souls, I guess it is, or whatever they are, and uh, use that to kind of heal yourself without. I don't know. It, it's kind of like a. It's a limited resource. It's it's a little bit like Estus, I guess you can consider it. You know. Yeah. Although. But you can you can refill it. Right. I mean, the the main mechanic is like you have this this meter that's called soul, and you refill it by attacking enemies with your with your main weapon, which is a, 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 basically a sword. Yeah. Um, and I, I love the mechanic because I mean that's it's used to heal, and you have to sit down in place and like spend spend the meter to heal. Mm-hmm. Um. But also that meter gets used for spells later on that are, can be really powerful. Right. So you find yourself making this trade-off between do I pop a spell to do a good good chunk of damage or do I save it to heal? Or, you know, do I do I get in to get some more soul? Like, you, you have to get in and just attack, right, to, to be able to heal. Yeah, what I like about it especially is it's it's a core component to everything, right? It works kind of as a currency, like you like you mentioned mm-hmm. with spell casting and that kind of stuff and healing so i've actually been working on an essay regarding uh the original shadow tower and that game is really unique in that health is both your regular health but it's also a currency and there's this whole economy mm-hmm. baked around your health which is really unique I, I can't really think of any other games that take health so seriously and fully explore what you can do with it mm-hmm. and I don't know. I, I I like when games have relatively few mechanics, but they flesh them out as as far as possible. Because some so many games, it's like, all right, we have this mechanic and this mechanic and this mechanic and this mechanic. I can't keep that much stuff in my head and remember to use it all. So I would rather have one thing that has multiple uses that you have to kind of figure out over time, rather than just like, oh, here's a new mechanic that you can use, and then you mm-hmm. either don't ever have to use it really, or remembering to use it is a kind of a chore unto itself yeah yeah i that's, that's really interesting and i i mean i i think the soul mechanic was done pretty well in in hollow knight and it could have like i feel like they could have tried to integrate it for a few more things but like it was already so core to just like i guess just your your healing and casting um in terms of like what the hollow knight can do it's or sorry what the knight can do there's there's like a relatively limited set of things. Like you get more movement abilities and you get more spells, but you know, it's basically just sword, spell, jump, dash, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's pretty simple. Like you, you just have to practice that stuff. I think that's part of the charm, right? That it doesn't go crazy. <laughs> they, they, they had a focused mechanical set, but then they kind of went crazy with the level design, I think. Yeah. And that's probably the way to do it. Um, at least, in my opinion, I, I really enjoyed it. There's there's just so much. The, the lore is, like I said, the lore is really, really good. You can tell they spent a lot of time thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's just presented presented in a way that I really enjoy. Um, and there's, you know, a lot, of, a lot of mystery, a lot of characters that are very odd and strange in their corners of the world. And yet somehow, like, things tie together. I mean, I, I think the lore is, like, a step away from being, like, really absolutely phenomenal but for the fact that it was just three people working on this game like it's such a feat yeah right like breath of the wild and mario and near and like 
all Horizon, like all these other games, like have enormous groups of people working on them. And this is a three-person indie indie game that just blows my mind. You know, I kind of wonder if that helped them, right? You have fewer people with ideas on story and that kind of stuff. And I don't know, in my experience, the more people you have involved in a story, the more complicated and it either goes one of two ways. It becomes incredibly convoluted and complicated or it becomes incredibly basic and vapid. Like Breath of the Wild has the stupidest story and the worst lore of any game I think I've played in years. (laughs) It is so pointless that it doesn't like there's no point in it existing at all. It would be a better game without it, frankly. So, yeah, it's such a tricky thing, and and it's nice to have a game that has a lot going for it, right? It it has good mechanics. It has interesting level design for the most part. I mean, even its sound design, it's a little goofy kind of in some places, I think, but it works well overall, like just in terms of creating like an atmosphere, right? Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you have a story that's actually... I, I didn't get much into it, but... What I did discover of it was interesting. Like I, I was interested in figuring out who these characters were. Like finding the map maker, for instance, was interesting. It's like, okay, what is this guy? Yeah. Who is like, what's he doing here? That's not something that's easy to pull off. And it's definitely a case of less is more. Like they don't over-explain a lot of stuff. They don't go no. on for ages about something like giving you this whole backstory. Well, thank God there's not like cutscenes like exactly. Zelda. Every time one of those comes up, I'm just like, please, just stop yeah i mean it's it's it, it, they they kind of pick their battles i think on what they wanted to explain what they just figured like well doesn't it we don't need to explain it or you, right. you know what i mean like learning that is very very difficult and i don't know much about the developers of this game i don't know if they have experience writing stories much or whatever mm-hmm. but that's a hard lesson to learn and it's amazing that they managed to nail it because it's so easy to go the other way and just over explain and give too much info and most people don't really care about that stuff. Like, I think to be to be a a good story, you have to be able to remove it from the game and have the game still work. I see. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and I, th- which is maybe it depends on the game a little bit, but for for an action game like Hollow Knight is, you should be able to remove that story entirely, and the game still makes sense. Mm-hmm. So. I think, you know, from what I played of it, I think they did a good job in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I wish I knew more about uh, Team Cherry, who are the developers. Uh, I mean, basically all I know is that they, they're in Australia. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I wish I knew more about their backgrounds and, like, you know, the, the development process. Because the, the, I wish I'd done the research, because the game's just phenomenal. And it's like, you know, I'm an aspiring indie game developer. I hope to make... Like I look, I look at certain games, and I and I think to myself, this is this is what I want to strive for. And like Hollow Knight is, you know, earns a place at the very top of the shelf of games that I that I look to as for inspiration. Oh yeah, I mean, knowing how few people worked on it and all that stuff, and, and you know the the success it's had. I mean, I don't know sales wise how successful it was. I think it did pretty well. Yeah, I don't know the numbers. I, I I'm. Trying to see if I can find anything. Yeah, but, but from yeah. a critical perspective, I mean, it's. I think it's like a home run. I don't know how. I've never heard anyone really say anything bad about it, um, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Like, it, it, it's humbling to see that and be like, oh, man, like, how do you... It's like reading, like, a great novel and just being like, how... 
all right, I'm going to give up now. <laughs> how, you know, how do you do it? <laughs> so Yeah, well, how did you guys get so Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think it was talked about a whole lot in terms of game of the year type of stuff. I mean, it didn't have the kind of no. budget and, and the, the clout, especially, you know, when you have Platinum developing games that were released this year and Capcom and all this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I think the the tide is turning a little bit where games like this are being recognized a little more. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll never be considered on the same level as big, big you know big budget games are just because of how the industry is <laughs> and and the well, reach I mean, that those games yeah. have. Right? I mean, when you have millions and millions of dollars in marketing, you're going to reach more people. That's just how it works. Yeah, but I would I would love to see the numbers, right? Like. Uh, how much money they put into the game? Like we know the people, but like how much money? And then like how mu- how much? How many sales did you have? Like how did it go? Because obviously this is you know people people work on games for many reasons, and in AAA studios like a lot of people are really passionate about what they're doing. Of course, but you know like I feel like there's this gulf between like yeah you're working at a tri- AAA studio where like. A lot of the time, the conditions might not be ideal, but at least you have like a steady paycheck versus these guys who are, I don't know specifically in their case, but a lot of indie devs who are just like, you know, they're consuming their lives to produce this thing. Like they just have to get it out. Well, if you look, take a Cuphead as, as an example, like they mortgage their house in oh, order yeah. to fund yeah, development. Cuphead's like, crazy. you know, that's a huge risk, obviously. Yeah. But they wanted to make it so badly that they figured the risk was worth it. And luckily for them, it paid off. But yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're at a bigger studio, you're you're a smaller piece of the puzzle. So I think it's, it, at least in, for me, it would be much harder to get invested in a game that I'm working on when like the section I'm working on is this little tiny piece. You know, maybe I'm implementing yeah. textures for this specific area or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how, how granular it gets necessarily, but you know... You, Obviously, the more people involved, the smaller your contribution is going to be. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I, from a working perspective, I, it would be very, very difficult for me to get the same kind of satisfaction out of a bigger budget game if I'm working on a huge team than a, a smaller game where I'm, you know, a core component of it. And that's probably not true for everybody, but um, I don't know. I, I, I like, I like that the indie scene is not totally becoming a wasteland like i think a lot of people kind of feared it would be i mean obviously there's a bunch of stuff that gets rushed out there that's not good or not finished or whatever that's that's just kind of the nature of of tools being available to more people and you know cynical business practices where it's like just shove something out it doesn't matter if it costs you know five dollars or whatever like we'll just keep raking in cash on people who just want to try something or yeah i don't know how you know some of these games you look at them like i don't know how people thought this would be interesting to buy but that's kind of like the extreme cynical side of it which is always going to exist i mean that exists in big budget games too right you're not going to escape the kind of the the ugliness of capitalism um but i'm glad that the the focus on independent games hasn't been totally skewed so that people aren't paying attention to the games that actually are doing some really interesting things you know what mm-hmm. i mean because i feel like 2017 could have been the year where everyone was just like oh my god look at these huge budget games that are awesome you know we don't need indies anymore <laughs> kind of a thing uh which kind of worries me that playstation is moving in that direction 
Well, I hope not. I hope because they they were kind of like the the friendly ones to indies for a long time. Yeah, but now they've kind of it seems like they've kind of turned their back a little bit on them, or they just don't feel like they're as necessary. Yeah, because they've been smart about locking up you know big developers with exclusive games that have knocked out of the park for the most part. But you know, as a result, you see Nintendo clamoring for independent developers mm-hmm. to to boost the the library of the oh, switch yeah. and that kind of stuff i mean they they messed nintendo messed up pretty bad for the wii u and and i'm glad to see like everyone wants something on the switch right all the indie games like people just want them on the switch yeah and like i i want you know if if i could have i would have bought hollow knight on the switch and i would probably would have played even more hours of it yeah that seems like a game that would be perfect fit for that console Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I don't know if it's out yet. I, I know it's they're planning to do a Switch port. Yeah, but I I, I have very high hopes for like the indie scene because you know I I usually play more indie games. This year was a little weird for me because there were so many good like big budget games that happened to be open world, and then I, those just sucked my life. But I, I tend to prefer like the smaller scoped experiences, and so that's why I'm excited for this year because I know the Switch is going to get a lot of traction with smaller games, indie games, mm-hmm. and that's going to be really exciting. I mean, it, it just last year I played uh, SteamWorld Dig 2. You know, yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people that, are really high on that game. Oh, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's, it's just a, a really good game. And I played it on the Switch, and that was awesome to be able to play it, you know, on the go and then plug it into the TV and play it there and just, like, felt really good to play. Yeah. And I, I want to I wanna have more experiences like that. Yeah, I'm starting to lean more towards... A switch purchase now um especially mm-hmm. since graphics cards are astronomically expensive <laughs> uh, <laughs> i think a switch is a good purchase right now sadly you know you, you don't you don't get the steam sales but but there are a lot of good games coming out on it well that's the thing i mean right now the library is not really enough to, to pull me in i'm not really crazy about i mean mario odyssey looks cool but it's not a game i i know it's not a game that i'd be playing i'd play through it and finish it and then i'd be done with it yeah. Which is true for me for well, most games, but yeah, you know I want to really enjoy it, and I feel like that's a game where I'd be like, all right, let's just get to the end, please. Zelda I played on the Wii U, so I don't need that. It's kind of the smaller weird games that interest me, like the Bomberman game interests me. If I don't get uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris on PS4, that's a console I would definitely get it for, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Even ARMS looked mm-hmm. kind of fun, to be honest with you. Never got to play it, but yeah. So we'll we'll see. I know with with the Souls games being remastered and coming out for that, that oh, may yeah. be enough to get that. me. Not because I, I mean, I ha- I've played all the games on various uh, things. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've paid for these games too many times. Yeah, uh, but I don't. The only the only console version, I mean, it's the only Souls game I don't have a console version of is. Uh, Dark Souls actually, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. So it's either get it for PS4 or get it for Switch if I get a Switch. Um, I, I actually wonder how good it'll work on the Switch. I mean, I guess it'll be like playing Zelda. So I played Zelda on the Switch, like uh, on the portable, and it it works pretty well. I so think at the resolution it puts out, it'll be totally fine. Honestly. Yeah, I would hope so. But I mean, I'm excited to see to see how it plays on the Switch. Yeah. I would be more concerned about Dark Souls three, but or not. What am I talking about? They're just doing Dark Souls, not a whole, not a whole series remaster. Yeah, they're yeah. releasing a special edition of all of them for PS4. Is what they're doing, I think. I see. A collection. I think that's only Japanese, uh, a Japanese release, though. Of course, like they do. It's yeah, exactly well. the same thing they did with Kingsfield, where they packaged all the games up, 
of the entire series, but only did a Japanese mm-hmm. release of it. Such a bummer because it's who would who would I don't know. I'm a huge Kingsfield fan, so I like I would love to have a collection of all of them in one go, but oh well. Uh, it's a shame. Well, it's it's a huge. <laughs> it's a it's like I think the Dark Souls collection is like a four hundred dollar purchase too. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, I mean you can buy each game for way way less than that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, especially if you get them on Steam where they can be crazy cheap. All right, so turning away a little bit from indie devs, I played a very <laughs> yeah. non-indie game as my favorite of twenty seventeen. <laughs> Hit me with it. Persona 5. Ah, I wish I'd played it. <laughs> yeah, man, it is... It's a funny game to me because it took me a very long time to finish it. It's a mm-hmm. long game. You basically play through more than a year, a calendar year's worth of time. Or basically mm-hmm. a calendar year, I guess. And it feels like it. Like, <laughs> uh, So if you've played a Persona game before... I should say, starting with... I played a little, little bit of 4. Okay. Uh, four, 4 Golden on the Vita, which I started playing this year, and I told myself, I'll play 5 when I've played through 4, because, you know, I have 4. I don't need to spend money on 5 yet. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and 4 is a really, really good game. So, basically, starting with Persona 3, they kind of reconfigured how the mechanics work a little bit from the older games. And mm-hmm. I would say they streamlined it a fair amount. Um and Persona 5 is very much in the same vein. So if you've played Persona 4 especially, Persona 5 will feel very, very familiar to you uh, in terms mm-hmm. of its battle okay. mechanics and just general interaction with stuff, right? You know, it, it's a game where you navigate a an insane high school world where the world is going to shit, of course. And of course. bad things are happening to everybody. And... It's kind of, it, it adventures into this weird conspiracy uh, type story. Okay. Uh, which is kind of interesting. But basically, like, what's happening is the, the bodies of people are kind of being taken over. And things are like, uh, like train crashes are happening because the conductors are, are basically going, like, mind oh, dead. And so yeah. what happens is your character kind of gets wrapped up in this. You're, you're a... An ex, uh, how do you say it? Like, you're a kid who was accused of a crime that you didn't commit, and because of that, you have a, like a criminal record, and and so you're forced out of your hometown, and you have to go to this new school. It's the only one that would take you in. <laughs> okay. I, maybe this is a very maybe it's a very Japanese thing. I don't know. I feel like in the it when I when I was introduced to the story I was kind of like this makes no sense like this would never happen in the United <laughs> States but maybe that's just maybe it's a very Japanese thing but anyway so you get involved in this in this crazy story that unfolds over time like with all the Persona games right there's like a weird thing that happens yeah. and then you investigate it and it gets crazier and crazier um, but mechanically it works very very similar to the to Persona 5 or Persona 4 especially the you know you you acquire um personas which allow you to use magical abilities and the main character can switch between personas or as the other characters just get one um you acquire them by uh fighting them in a lot of cases um what, what's cool about it one and kind of an expansion on the mechanics of combat are it reintroduces the ability to kind of communicate with the demons that you fight or as the shadows as they're oh, called and uh you can convert them to your cause or you can like get items or money from them. So if you weaken them enough, sometimes they'll kind of 
become cowardly and start talking to you and want to negotiate. Mm-hmm. That's and that's something that you could kind of do in the older Persona games um, where you could kind of recruit them to your side or you could just negotiate your way out of combat. Um, mm-hmm. It's not... I would say it's kind of uh, an additional mechanic more so than like a core component to combat because you can go through it without using it at all, really, if you want to. Right. Uh, or, you know, ignore it or whatever. But it's there and it's cool that it's there. Um, do you, do you like, get a little more, I don't know, world building or lore out of it? No. They go? literally just will, like, like I say, if you weaken them enough, sometimes they'll just enter in this new, this, like, mode where not a mode but like they'll they'll suddenly start talking to you and say like hey you know don't yeah basically me. don't kill me and so they'll <laughs> offer uh, like you can ask for an item from them you can ask for money or you can or okay. or um you can ask them to become a persona and so i see so it's very jrpg like i, yeah. I was i wasn't i was picturing something more like uh undertale where you have you have the optional way to like make make enemies leave you alone by you know, basically like flirting or doing a little dance with them. Ah, uh, I see. And it's 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 always really entertaining to do. Um, but yeah, that that makes more sense for the kind of game persona. No, it's much more just like it's like a battle mechanic. But like I say, it's kind of just an additional yeah. thing. It's not really a core component. Um, you know, the core component is figuring out the persona strengths and weaknesses, or your enemy strengths and weaknesses via, via the quote unquote elemental element, right? So if you are fighting an enemy that has a fire ability you've got to figure out the weakness to that and then exploit it with your personas which is mm-hmm. kind of the pokemon style uh yeah. combat method which i you know i think is is strong it still works as well as it did in in any game that is how many used. elements are there because i think four had like four elements i think it's the same number it's a lot so there's like wind ice uh fire holy is they all have different names oh, than okay. that but those are the concepts behind them yeah um dark is one of them or whatever they're 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 uh, i don't know seven eight there's probably more than that but something like that okay so the one thing about it that i i struggled with and part of the reason why the game's so long is because the dungeons are very long and kind of tedious they abandoned Mm -hmm. the uh random nature of them so in persona three and four the dungeons are random i think um yeah they they're like procedurally generated Persona 5 has dungeon layouts and they're fixed, which is nice. I okay, prefer that. that. Nice. But what I don't yeah. like about it is that they're pretty repetitive and quite long. Like the, within one dungeon, it gets repetitive? Yeah, cause what I, so they're all kind of gimmicky, right? Like in one, you go in and you have to like navigate through these paintings to get through further. And it just is mm-hmm. lo- it just takes a long time. I think they're just a little too big. And I think the reason that they're that big is because they need you to get leveled up a certain amount in order to be strong. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's a it's a balance yeah, yeah. and pacing issue. That's I would have preferred okay. smaller dungeons with a little more XP, probably per enemy or whatever. What's cool mm-hmm. about it, though, is that you can avoid combat by hiding. So there's a big, like, thief element to the game, right? Your right. party is called the Phantom Thieves, and... Um, to go along with that, you can you can kind of duck into the shadows, and there are these points in each, like uh, in each dungeon where you can, you basically like get close to it. You press X, and you kind of like duck behind it. And while you're mm-hmm. crouched like that, enemies won't see you, and so you can okay. actually kind of That's skirt it. by them and do some like stealthy stuff to get past if you don't want to fight. Uh, which 
because the dungeons are quite long, it's pretty useful actually and pretty fun, I would say. Uh, I really liked mm-hmm. it as an addition. It, it's not something you need to use necessarily, but managing your health and your magic points or whatever they're called. can't think of the, what they're called now. But anyway, uh, managing all that stuff is is really key to getting through the dungeon successfully. Mm-hmm. And so... Right. Uh, and you want to be able to like go through, like optimize your playthrough because you, you're trying to like do it within a limited like cycle of like day night. Right. Or like, it, well, yeah. so it's a calendar thing, right? So you have a set number of days to accomplish your goal. And so yeah. you want to make it through, like there are checkpoints within each dungeon. So you can do like one day, you can go up to a certain point and then you could take a couple of days off and do other stuff. So it, like I say, it, it does the Persona 4 thing where you have like, your normal day-to-day life that you have to do things in, go out and hang out with people to boost your mm-hmm. relationships with them to get more powerful or increase your stats like uh, intelligence and charm and those kinds of things which help you then talk to people that you couldn't talk to before in order to gain relationships with them, those kinds of things. Right, um, right. Which I got to say, man, I love that stuff. It, it seems really, <laughs> It seems really stupid for a 30-year-old dude to love that stuff because it's very... It's a high, it's a game about high school students, right? But I th- I think yeah. the point of it is that it's targeted towards adults because it has a real interesting outlook. You are a, a kid, a teenage kid mm-hmm. who is impossibly cool and collected. Like, yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. Like, just from my experience with Persona Four, like no high schooler is that that like. Has their shit in order. <laughs> exactly. Like and it's funny because like the world views you as a certain way. Like when you first when you first start the game, you, you go to this new school and everyone is kind of afraid of you because you have this reputation that's totally unearned. Yeah. Um <laughs> but you know, that's how it works. So your your ability to communicate with other people is limited because they just don't want to have anything to do with you and only through circumstances mm-hmm. does that change, right? But what's what's great about it is that you have agency with regard to how you engage with other people. You can you can choose to talk to certain people and grow your relationships with them, or you can just say, eh, "Forget it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fall through with that." And what's funny is like all the options you get because there are dialogue trees. Kind of, they're not really trees, but like you can you can give some different uh, response options, um, and depending on how you answer, will uh, change potentially change your relationships and grow it, or it'll just kind of stay what as it is. Right? Mm-hmm. Y- you make all these choices all the time, whether to hang out with somebody whether to go out to like the batting cage and you know hang out there and all these choices i don't know it's it gives you an agency in a game where you play as a kid and it is not reflective of reality like i feel like when you're actually in high school your life is pretty controlled and it's it's fun to have this ability to kind of do what you want and have confidence in what you're doing in an age when that's not how you actually are no not at all (laughs) and it's interesting too because you're also like everyone around you feels helpless all the time (laughs) like there's always like this feeling of dread and everyone wants to you know improve their their situation but they always feel Mm -hmm. like they can't and you are kind of like the the voice of reason most of the time and encouragement for other people um which is really nice like I, i don't know there's there's a sentimentality to it that i think few games really achieve and it's so easy for it to be hokey but for whatever reason i think persona 5 is maybe the best at it that i've played even of the persona games where 
I don't know. The relationships feel genuine to me, even even though you know there's a mathematical formula behind it. Um, mm-hmm. You kind of you kind of forget about it, and you and you you end up engaging with the characters because you like them, not because like the the end goal is you get more powerful by doing this, right? But mm-hmm. I don't know. When I was playing it, I kind of forgot about that element of it, and I was just kind of like, oh yeah, I actually want to go hang out with them because I want to see how they're doing, which is nice. It, it, it's a game strictly guided by its mechanics and yet at mm-hmm. the same time it kind of elevates its story and characters to a level where they don't feel related even though they're you know totally intertwined right that's interesting yeah i, I i'm gonna get on that like i think i think i just need to prioritize something <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess at this point I'm pretty much done with a lot of open world games, so I can start pouring some time into other AAA games like the Personas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Persona Five is definitely not an open world game. You have a lot of choice, but everything is it's calendar based and it's very strict. So you yeah. have finite amount of time, which kind of is you know that that's kind of the interesting part about it too. It's like you have to decide. You know, I have seven days in order to do something specific. So how mm-hmm. I manage my time is going to be crucial in whether I'm prepared or not for that. Right. And that's I think that's where the big draw is in this game for me anyway. It's like I like I like choosing what I get to do even though there are only so many choices you can actually do per day. You know, right. like sometimes a character you can't just hang out with whoever you want. They have to also be interested in hanging out with you or available yeah. to hang out with in, in the first place. So you have limited choice, but it's enough where it never feels that limiting. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, everything else about it, like the presentation is fantastic. The voice acting in English is, is great. Oh, that's good, because Fours is a little wonky. Fours is okay. Threes is also okay. Um, I, I think the Persona games in general have good voice acting, but Persona 5 is very, very good. Uh, okay. It, in most games, I would choose the Japanese voices if possible, and this game I never felt like I wanted to do that. Oh, and that's that's high yeah, praise. Yeah, uh, they were very very good. The music is incredible. I think it's one of the best scores to a to a game in a long time. It's very jazzy yeah. and upbeat. That's what I keep hearing that the music is just like addictive and really good. It's amazing how man they interweave it so brilliantly too. Like you'll hear a lot of the same themes over and over again because it's not a huge score really for a game as long and big as this one is. It's a pretty mm-hmm. limited score, but they have kind of like. Uh, rearranged versions of it. Yeah. So, like, when it's raining, you'll hear a little bit different version of that theme, which is really cool. Stuff like that. So it works really, really well. It doesn't doesn't get old to me. Like, I always... Especially, like, whenever I'd go into battle or something, I'd always be pumped up. Because you're going to be doing a lot of the same actions over and over again, right? Like, combat is a little tedious at some points. But considering how long and how many battles you have to go into, it Mm -hmm. never really felt that... It never felt like a chore in the way that, like, grinding in other games does, right? Like, grinding in Final Fantasy right. feels like grinding. Like, that's just oh, how yeah. it is. You're just, you're just gathering mats, gathering XP. Yeah. But Persona 5, for me, even though I was grinding at certain points, it was just like, yeah, this is fun. Like, the presentation is so good that it, it kind of, it, I don't know, it, it's, it's the sugar pill right yeah <laughs> like and and i and i, and I mean at least from the, what i've played of persona 4 like the way they break up the fact that you you go and you do some dungeoning and then you go and you do some like socializing and like progressing through the story like it's a good balance right it, you're mm-hmm. you're kind of forced to 
to stop doing one thing and do another one and keeps it from burning out a little too much. Yeah, I will say and give a warning to those who haven't played it. You you might get burned down on it. I did a little bit. I played probably a third of the way through mm-hmm. very, very quickly. I was playing it every day for a while. And I, I it wore me down. And I would put it away for a little while. But then I'd come back to it and I would love it all over again. Mm-hmm. So that to me is like... That doesn't happen with a lot of games for me. Like I'll play them, and if I get burned out, then I'm like, all right, I'm I'm good. Like I've seen enough. But it was it was compelling enough that I wanted to go back in. It was just kind of like it was a little daunting. Yeah. Right? I knew roughly how how long the game was in terms of its calendar time. Time doesn't necessarily go through completely uh, evenly. Mm-hmm. You know, some time is spent a little more in some parts of the calendar than others based on cutscenes and, and how much stuff there is to do. <laughs> so you don't necessarily know how long it's going to take you in real time to get through some stuff. Right, right. Uh, so, I don't know. It's a game that takes a lot of commitment, I would say. But I think it's definitely it's definitely worth it. I can't really think of any other games that I felt so affected by after I'd finished. That's Because even though the story... Yeah, I mean, the story is really, really good, and it gets kind of hokey at the end like they all do. Yeah, And the... Like, the last encounter and all that kind of stuff is not exactly the most satisfying thing in the world to me. Okay, that's a bit of a shame. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad by any means, but it's kind of like, it's it's what I expected to happen, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You're not going to be surprised, basically, is what I'm okay. saying by yeah, the yeah. end. But everything around it, you know, it, it, the story itself is one thing, but it's really just like how the characters are built and portrayed over time that I think is really what kind of solidifies it as one of the best games that I've played in, in, in quite a long time. Like I say, I can't think of a game where I finished it and was just like, wow, like that. I cared about every one of those characters, really, yeah. <laughs> to some extent. That's cool. And there's a lot of characters. Yeah. So. Damn, well, you sold me. I guess I should just go and play it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went back and tried playing more of Persona 4 because I never finished yeah. it. And uh, it's a great game. I mean, I, I highly recommend it as well. But man, I was just like, whew, boy, these I can't do I can't do two of these back to back. Yeah, like, that's, <laughs> that's too much. That's my worry. I feel like everyone talks up Persona Five amazingly, but Persona Four sounds so good. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'll figure it out. I, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna pick one up soon and like just go through it. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing is like they're not really related in any way, so you don't have to worry about some kind of continuing storyline or anything. So. It's not a big deal to put one down and pick another up if you feel like you want to do right. five instead of four. Yeah, that makes sense. Or the other way around. I'll have to think about it. Because also Monster Hunter is coming out soon, and I want to give that a whirl. I know, man. That's a game. I, I have. I actually played the original Monster Hunter just to kind of test oh, it wow. out a little bit the other yeah. day. And it's remarkably similar to Monster Hunter 3, which I have on the Wii U, mm-hmm. which is like the remastered version of it. And I like those. I like the game a lot. I think it's really, really cool. But it's just like, boy, the time commitment for this too yeah. is like incredible. I'm just hoping I can get in on the ground floor now, play with some people at work, and yeah, just just kind of learn about it, go through it. I, I, I've been playing the demo, so yeah. I was gonna say, did you play the beta? Yeah. Yet? I saw quite a bit of it. It looks really cool. I just don't think that's a game that I'm gonna be able to get into. I don't know if I have. Yeah, it's time sync from what if I. If I want to commit that time. <laughs> We'll see. I'm I'm, using, I'm gonna see if I can replace my uh, my online social gaming with it for a bit, and then move on with my life. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, man. Yeah, 2017. What a fucking year for games, you know. 
some it was interesting it was just too much i mean it, it i think it was kind of a predictor of 2018 too because i'm thinking of all the games that i'm excited for for 2018 and there's there's a handful that I'm really excited mm-hmm. about, or at least interested in, even if I'm not going to play them myself, I'm glad they're coming out and I'm interested in how they're going to yeah. do. Right. Like Monster Hunter World is a game I probably won't play, but it looks awesome. And I'm glad that people are so excited for it. I think Capcom needs hits, yeah. you know, <laughs> Resident Evil seven did well, but it, I, it still didn't match what they were ex- hoping yeah. for it. And so they need a game to really, do very very well and well, you know based on the enthusiasm people have for monster hunter world so far I mean, we're gonna see though because monster hunter i think is pretty niche in the states yeah but i've seen way more press and stuff coverage of it than i would have ever thought that's like, true i mean you know when i think of monster hunter i think of like really niche like i think of like a couple of people talking about it and praising it but i don't remember ever seeing you know big time articles about it all the time or i mean obviously they didn't have betas released before but putting that beta out was a great idea no it's super smart (laughs) i mean it it let me play and let me like i probably wouldn't have bought it if i couldn't have played the beta and i played the beta and i'm like well okay i didn't know if i would like this but this is really fun and i want to play more yeah it's nice to see developers be more confident to release demos again yeah because you know they kind of went away for a while to some degree you had early access and that kind of stuff but demos from big publishers became pretty rare. Yeah. And I'm glad that they're back. Like, Nier had one. Uh, Resident Evil had one, Neo I think. Neo had one. Neo had yeah. one. You know, that's huge. And uh, it shows that they have confidence in what they're doing, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a little surprised that Code Vein hasn't had one. Oh, gosh. <laughs> they've, let, they've let people play it. Yeah. Because I've seen a lot of footage of it, but they haven't had a public beta, and they probably won't at this point. Yeah, well, I wouldn't think so. Bandai, Bandai might just not do that, which makes sense. But that's another game I'm super excited. That's probably my most anticipated game. For I'm year. I'm very like hesitant about it. I, d- I just feel like it's not going to be that good. Yeah, it might not be, but <laughs> I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. 2018, like... I haven't really sat down to look at what's supposed to come out this year. Like, I, I know Monster Hunter, but that's like all that's at the top of my head right now. I'm still just trying to make up for all the games I didn't get to play last year or, you know, year before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be more limited in 2018. Code Vein's the only game that I, I really want to mm-hmm. play. Just because Soul-style games have become one of those things in my life that's like I need to play one all the time. That's true. I, I'm, I'm definitely itching to have one in my life right now. <laughs> And and the 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 clones uh, just aren't doing it for me. Like I I played a little bit of Lords of the Fallen, but that game oh, freezes yeah. on the PS4 all the time, so it's hard to even. Play I haven't it. heard good things. I mean, I've I've seen a playthrough of mm-hmm. it, and it looks cool. Like I think graphically, it's impressive and that kind yeah. of stuff. But I didn't have a great time when I tried it before, and like I say, it froze on me. Literally froze on yeah. me. Uh, I I can't remember. Well, actually, that's not true. Dark Souls three crashed on me once oh, dark souls 2 was kind of but this was pretty yeah i was gonna like say it was kind of a mess released. for a while yeah but dark but dark lord of the fallen still freezes yeah. and it's been out for a while no, i haven't heard good um, things yeah uh but code vein i don't know I, I have more faith in bandai than i think most people mm-hmm. do or a lot of people do bandai's not a very big name anymore 
Really? What are you talking no, about? No, I mean, like, when I don't think of, like, big games they release, like, I'm just like, I, I know they release games, but I don't think of them, like, as one of my top companies that I'm excited about. Oh, yeah, well, that's fair. I think you're, the games you're interested in, I think, don't cross with the games that they offer most of yeah, the time. Yeah, that's probably true. Like, they are responsible for all the Gundam games, which are huge. Oh, that's true. I mean, they have a lot of properties. And you can consider them a very greedy publisher, because they are. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I have faith that they will that they found a studio that's going to make a, a, a game for them that will do mm-hmm. well, um, and at least will be fun. Like like Neo is not as good as Dark Souls to me. Same. But I still I still really liked it. I thought it was great. Uh, it was a little repetitive and stuff like that. But I I don't know. I played all the way through it. I played more than once, mm-hmm. um, and I found its mechanics really satisfying. You know, Team Ninja did a, a really good job, and so. You know, I have confidence that uh, a similar level of competence will have been found for Code Vein, at least. Yeah, I, I hope so. Like, I would love to play something that plays like a Souls game. Uh, for me, though, like, there, there's something about the Souls formula that really just, like, checks a lot of boxes. So that's that's why I struggled so much with Neo. Like, I, I played probably, like, 20 hours and just couldn't, couldn't bring myself to finish it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think 20 hours is more than enough to, to get the feel yeah. of it. Nothing groundbreaking happens after that, you know what I mean? It's just kind of, it is more of the same. Right, yeah, but I mean, it's if that's what you like, that's what you like. Right, like I say, if, and it, I enjoyed its mechanics enough to, to mm-hmm. keep going with it, so that's all I really ask for in a game like that, you know? I feel like Souls games are, they go that extra mile Yeah. with regard to everything. I mean, for me, just just the fact that it's like the continuous world is is very big. Like the, yeah. I, I much prefer, I much prefer something I explore, versus like an arcade style like level selection or mission selection. Like, I'd rather just have it be a seamless world, and, and the Souls does an amazing job, like giving you giving you the the variety of locations it does. Like, in real life, it doesn't make any sense, right? If you fold the world together, and you're like, no, that, that just, no, that, that's not how the world works. But, you know, they, they do this amazing job of just, like, it doesn't matter. You're tricked into thinking it could all fit together. Right. Yeah. Like I say, um, <laughs> my bar is not quite as high for that for other series, yeah. which maybe is selling myself short a little bit. But yeah, I'll be I'll be curious to hear your thoughts. Yep. Um, like I say, that that's the one I'm really looking forward to. I'm sure there are going to be plenty of other surprises that pop up that will well like hollow knight came out of kind of came out of nowhere yeah yeah that um, definitely did i was just saying I'm, I'm hoping to get caught off guard this year by some little one things like that because i that's yeah. how i felt like it was last two years i've had indie games as my my darlings and mm-hmm. and you know they they were they more or less came out and i was like oh yeah i heard about this and then i played it and i was just blown away so i'm, I'm hoping to yeah. see something like that this year i'm sure there will be something i mean I think kind of on in the general landscape, Cuphead was that for most people. That's true. It's very good if you haven't um, played it. <laughs> I haven't, actually, which is a shock, because that's a game that seems right up my oh, yeah. alley. But, but we'll see, man. I, I don't know. 2018 might... It might be great. <laughs> <laughs> might be great, Jonathan. Now that now that uh, Sonic's out of the way, I think we're in the clear. <laughs> Did you see any of Sonic... Forces was it that came out? Uh, no, not at all. Sonic Mania was like the fan made yeah. game that was like, became official. Mania was, was like decent, good, because it's like harkening back to the old days. But I just 
try to avoid anything Sonic that's not a 2D, 2D old school style game. <laughs> yeah. I love how they have two games released in the same yeah. year. One of which was made by fans, essentially, and was well-regarded, and one made by Sonic Team, and it was like, nah, not <laughs> this great. This is trash. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so sad. I want... I want Sega's properties to... Oh, 2018 is going to give us Bayonetta 3, I think. Oh, shit. Oh, that's right. They're, Maybe. And, well, they're supposedly releasing Bayonetta 1 and 2 on the Switch, which means I'll finally get to play Bayonetta 2. <laughs> I have it on Wii U, man. It's it's okay. I like it, but... I mean, that was a lot of people's uh, game of the year the year it came out, I think, 2016. Was it yeah. really? The story is so... <laughs> so dumb. Oh, no. You don't, you don't play those games for the story. That's like... No, I know, but the char- one of the characters in it is so annoying. I'm just like, who, <laughs> who thought you were a good idea? Um, mechanically, it's solid and it plays at a great frame rate. Actually, I'm oh, kind that's of impressive. impressed with it. Yeah, because I have the 360 version of Bayonetta. Bayonetta One was just kind of a mess all around. Yeah. It pl- although the, the yeah. PC port is really good. I've heard I've heard that that's true. Yeah. yeah, the the 360 version was the best console version yeah. when it was released. Oh yeah, the PS3 version is awful. But I think it's definitely been supplanted by the Wii U re-release mm. and the PC release. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Bayonetta three is cool. I'm glad that's coming out. I liked, like I said, I liked Bayonetta yeah. two. Um, it just was those characters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't I don't think you can <laughs> you can expect much better in, in Bayonetta three. Yeah, no, probably not. But we have that to look forward to. Yeah, that's exciting. I, I, I actually, I think I'm most looking forward to so far this year is whatever indie games get re-released on the Switch that I will then just play on the <laughs> Switch all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Then we might get Metroid Prime Four. Oh Jesus! Oh, uh, so scared. I don't know. I know. We'll see. That I feel like that's the game that's going to sell me on the Switch or not. I, I, I don't think we're going to get it this year. Did they did they say 2018? Really? I don't remember if they said 2018. I, I have a hard time imagining they would have announced it if it wasn't going to come out in the next year. Uh, I'm trying to see if they said anything. Uh, I'm not seeing anything. Really? I I would be surprised if it doesn't come out this year, though, because I feel, I feel like they wouldn't have teased it two years away. <laughs> I honestly don't. I, maybe I'm wrong. I just feel like it, that Nintendo... All, all that I can find is that it's to be released sometime after 2017, which says literally nothing. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, maybe we won't get it then. No. <laughs> I hope we do, because if we don't, then I'll probably put off buying a Switch for another year. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping it's a good year for the Switch. I, It's a console I'm genuinely excited about. As a developer, I wish mm. I could get my hands on a... I mean, I guess I can get my hands on a on a dev kit they're not that expensive supposedly but like oh really yeah I, I hear they're pretty cheap but I, I don't know how hard it is to get one but like it's a piece of hardware i i really like um and i would love to love to play more things on it Mm-hmm. so game of the year 2017 nintendo switch all right <laughs> i mean yeah honestly you, you could say that for sure <laughs> it did bring i, I, yeah, think, I feel like it brought back nintendo <laughs> i think a lot of people uh have that sentiment i i like honestly i like the wii u i think it got a bad rap um it just didn't have the it didn't have yeah. the developer support mm-hmm. that it needed uh and nintendo did a very poor job of marketing it but i don't think it was a bad system at all it had some really great games that you're not gonna be able to play anywhere else. i know i'm sitting yeah. here like 
really hoping Super Mario Maker gets a Switch release or something because yeah. I really wanted to play that. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, for me, the Fatal Frame game was huge. Mm-hmm. Bayonetta 2 was huge. Um, I mean, Breath of the Wild would have been bigger if it <laughs> hadn't been released on the Switch. Yeah, but I'm glad they went through with it and, and did release it there because I would have been really ticked off if they. Yeah, did. no, it was smart to do, to do the simultaneous release. And it's a great version. Like, yeah, it it's frame rate kind of dips mm-hmm. pretty severely well, at points. The Switch does as well, the, just a little less, I think. It does. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right, then I don't feel too bad. It's a great version. I think it plays yeah. great. So, man, I had no complaints would, about it in that. I would order, like technically. I would kill for them to make. I mean, I think I said this in our Breath of the Wild discussion, but I would kill for them to make a another Zelda game a little more focused using the same engine. That'd be wonderful. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Who knows? I have no idea what their plans are. I think it'll be, I think it'll be similar to the open world style, though. I think that did gangbusters for them. Uh, I just, they're gonna just, I just want, go with I just it. want another Majora's Mask. You could just do that. It'd be yeah, great. it just depends on how fast they want to make another game, yeah. right? If they go like the, I mean, it won't be eighteen months like they did for Majora's no. Mask, but, <laughs> but if they do a two-year cycle or something, two and a half years, then we may get that. But I, I don't see that happening. I, I think they're I gonna go it. all not on. Well, I don't know. I don't know what Nintendo's plans are with the. Now that the Switch is, you know, has sold a balls ton, I think a metric balls ton. Yeah, it's a legitimate success. <laughs> so they have reason to potentially start releasing smaller things on it because you know people will play people will play on the Switch like on on the portable uh, in portable mode. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yep. It is a a year full of possibilities. That's for sure. <laughs> Anything could happen. <laughs> I don't know if it'll be quite as big as 2017 was. I don't think so either. It was just like a confluence of things, I feel. Yeah. But I think it's going to be a, another year of, of pretty solid releases mm-hmm. and a pretty steady re- you know, stream of solid releases. Yeah. You know, well, maybe a bit more focused. I don't think... I don't think that... I don't know. I'm trying to think. Cause like, man, there's so many games that we didn't even talk about that came out in 2017. <laughs> there's just too many. There's not enough time. I know. Yeah, no, there's not. So we'll see. We'll see what 2018 is like. But I'm I'm hopeful. I think I think there's gonna be one or two games I'm gonna really really enjoy. I don't know if I'll get to as many games as I did yeah. this year or this last year, but uh, I think I'm gonna be satisfied with the ones I I choose. Yeah, me too. Being that we're still somewhat fresh in the new year, I wanted to mention that I've been hard at work on a collection of essays that I'll be looking to release over the course of October. Horror games are among my favorite, and there's a series that has held a very special place for me, which I'm excited to talk more about. So if you like horror, please look forward to that. As always, you can check out more of my thoughts on games at large at jmsebastian.tumblr.com, or catch my streams at twitch.tv slash jmsebastian. If you want to know what Gabe is up to, you can follow him on Twitter at Mistalice, or check out his website, gabem.me. Thanks for listening.